There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. The Mike Wise Show is back from Ciudad de Mexico after a little Cabo vacation. And we're talking with a very special guest. He's a former player, the father of a current player, one of the smartest people in basketball that I know. He's standing by, but first, Darlene has to thang. And you know that's Espanol for do your thang. The Mike Wise Show is a presentation of Pure Hoops Media. The Mike Wise Show is hosted by a guy who played basketball atrociously for Hawaii Pacific College, which forced him into journalism. And, oh yeah, he wrote about basketball for the New York Times, the Washington Post, and ESPN. He's also a wise-ass, and so are many of his guests. Right, Mike? Gracias, Darlene. Greg Anthony is an NBA analyst for NBA TV and Turner Sports. Grew up in Las Vegas, played for legendary coach Jerry Tarkanian at UNLV. Won a national title in 90. Greg played 11 NBA seasons. I got to know him in New York with the Knicks a little bit appearing in the 1994 NBA Finals, and he was also a member of the Vancouver Grizzlies, along with four other teams before retiring in 2002. Greg joined ESPN after his playing career, where he worked closely with, yes, the one and only Bruce Bernstein. (laughs) He's been a constant presence in the NBA media for almost 20 years. He also has a son you may have heard of, Cole Anthony, who plays with, yes, the Orlando Magic. Cole started in North Carolina and is in his second season with Orlando. He's averaging more than 20 a game. Welcome, Greg Anthony. Well, thanks for having me, Mike. How are you? And, and how is it in Mexico City? Um, I'm telling you, the ball down here isn't the same. Um, we have the Capitanis. <laughs> the Capitanis have a, uh, have a guy by the name of Alfonso McKinney. I, I know you're a little bit familiar with him. He played, uh, played with the Warriors a couple seasons ago. He's trying to get his way back to the league. But uh, that's about it. And they're not even playing here because of COVID protocol. They're all stuck in Fort Worth and they're playing their season basically on the road. But, uh, you know, it's something. It's something. And uh, as I try to bring basketball to this country, um, well, with my game, you you know, they're not going to be in the Olympics soon. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Well, they're progressing, though. That's that's important. It is. It is. Um, a long time ago, I spoke with Grant Hill and he talked about being the son of a former professional athlete and how guys gave him grief all the time, especially from the toughest part of America, the toughest cities in America. And they'd be like, you don't even need this. I, w- I, I wonder if your son, Cole Anthony, ever had that. And I guess what's it like joining Dell, Curry, Michael Thompson, Gary Payton and so many others as former players who are now fathers of NBA stars? Uh, I, I, I'm listen. I, I love it. I, it's a, an incredible feeling. Uh, you know, Cole knew really early on that this is what he wanted to do, and, and when he knew he wanted to, he wasn't very good. So, you know, it took a while before I could start to see the potential uh, and for him to develop. But you know, you get to live that journey, and I'm sure for all those guys, like you know, 
it, it cr creates a stronger connection with your child because mm -hmm. of that passion. Um, you always have that. Um, and in our case, you know, we spend, we talk a lot, you know, we, we talk what we call, we call it talking shop. We talk a lot <laughs> about basketball because he, he's, you know, I was telling uh, Bruce Bernstein earlier, I said, you know, what was unique about him is, um, I love the game when I, you know, growing up at the age yeah. and the stage that he's at, but he's in love with the game. Mm. And, and that's a What was the difference? Well, when you, when you love something, um, there, there are different variables of how that love uh, affects you. There's a, there's an unconditionality to the love. Uh, there's almost an addiction, an addictive aspect to it. <laughs> uh, it has to be a part of your fabric. You know what I mean? Yeah. You, you wouldn't uh, reminisce with melancholy if you didn't have it. You, mm -hmm. you know, you would be heartbroken. Um, and th that's what being for me, how I look at him with his love, like he, mm -hmm. he's married to basketball, when you did know, you, like that's his thing. That's, I mean, huh. when did, when did you realize that, that my son may be an NBA player? Are you talking 12, 13? What, when, um, when did, when did you, um, when did you see, when did you see a jump where you thought, Wait, wait, he's not just a, a player on an AU team. He, he's a guy that's going to go to the next level. Probably seventh grade going to eighth grade. Um, okay. Is when I, I saw, because he started to make a physical jump. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, you can see, like, the thing about basketball, and Mike, you know this, and Bruce, you know, like, People look at uh, your ability to play, and then other people look at your talent. Like, he didn't know how to play yet, and he wasn't physically gifted up until then he made that jump. And by that, I mean there were kids that were more athletic at his level, uh, bigger, um, you know, they, they quicker, stronger, all those things. And then eventually he caught up to that. And when he caught up, he also caught up to how to play the game. And that's when I was like, you know, it was around that time. And then I could see him developing. And I said, well, you know, he's going to be big enough physically. Uh, he, he's a, you know, really good athlete. And, and then he also had a great mindset. And we'll talk about that kind of stuff. Mindset later, that's the, the other aspect of it, that when you, to be a great player, that's really kind of what separates uh great talent from great player given that my, my son could play a little bit he's in fifth grade and given that i only went as far as junior college and nai i gotta think that your son was better at his age but but i guess my, my basic <laughs> question i guess for any for any parent of a child that thinks they you know whatever they're a little bit better than the kids their age or they really love the game and they talk about being an nba player all those things I, I want to encourage him. I don't, it doesn't matter. In some ways, it doesn't matter to me if he makes it or not, as long as he loves the right. game like I did. But what do you, like, there's part of me, I'm in the stands going, God damn, but just go to the, go to the rack, yeah, yeah, get yeah. a you're rebound. Being a don't, don't, like, don't, you're being a parent. You're being right. a parent. That's, that's and so I guess doing. what I'm like, what have you learned through that? Have you, were you that, were you that guy that got on your kid so much 
stress that you realize, oh, I can't coach Cole because I'm, I'm going to be too negative for him? Or, or did you become that guy that, you know, sat back in the stands and said, he's either going to figure this out on his own or not? Yeah, you know, there is no either or really in that regard. It's, it's kind of what were you closer to? Because there's yeah. no way that you don't coach some, even if it's at the dinner table. Right. Like you're still, <laughs> still kind of coaching, but what, you know, what I did, believe it or not, what, and I have four incredible kids, um, you know, obviously Cole and then my oldest daughter is a freshman at Harvard. Yeah. Uh, and she played some basketball and I, the same with my young kids. First thing, you know, my philosophy is always, and my wife shared that philosophy shares it was let's uh, introduce them to everything and then let them tell you what they want to do. Mm-hmm. And when they when they make that decision to pursue something, okay, then we go all in. But up until that point, they just, you know, he played baseball, he played soccer, he did all that stuff. So, like, I didn't really uh, push. I didn't really care, to be honest with you. I didn't care what he did. I just wanted him to be a productive person and find some joy and passion in life. You know, that's really yeah. what, what my goals were. My goal was, and that way, I didn't, there would never be any disappointment for me because that's all I wanted, you know, and that's how we raised them. And he, he decided in the fifth grade that he came to me after a little league baseball game and he had just played well. And at the time I was thinking he might uh, have a better chance at being a baseball player uh, because he wasn't very good at basketball at this stage. You know, he, yeah. he just hadn't learned how to play. He just wasn't. So he's like the sixth best player on a, little travel team in, in, in the city. And so he said that, you know, I just want to tell you, uh, I don't want to play baseball anymore. I just want to focus on basketball. And I was actually, I was actually caught off guard uh, because like I said, he wasn't that good. He hadn't, you know, and, and I'm talking about, he wasn't that good at all. And he'll, you know, he'll tell you the story. And like, could I he, could he go I, to his, could he go to his left at least? Could he, could he? No, I mean, he just, he, no, he was really raw, but okay. he, he had a, the thing about him was he was always, he, he always had a strong mindset and he was always determined. And he also always did it hard. Like he, he was okay. one of those athletes. You didn't have to tell him, you know, once he decided he wanted to do something, you didn't have to tell him he had to do it harder, had to work harder, any of that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, but I, but I, I was, was shocked. And, and then so as I'm going, playing it through my head as I'm about to talk to him, because, you know, you don't, I got to make sure I'm like all in on this for him, right? Because this is something he's saying he wants to do, even though I don't necessarily know if that's going to happen. Uh, and I was like, okay, well, buddy, these are the things we got to have, we got to work on. In order for you to do that, these are the things you have to do. And the cool thing about that journey, yeah, that's a life, that's a life lesson anyway. Like, like, you, you, all the things he had to do to achieve his goal, everybody has to do in order to achieve theirs. You know, it's really the same process. Mm. And so as a parent, this was awesome for me because I had a kid in the fifth grade who already had a passion. Yeah. He, he was in love. That was it for that. I'm telling you from the fifth grade on, it was about nothing but basketball. And he is still madly in love with it. Like even more so, which I just find amazing, but like, (laughs) <laughs> great players I've been around. That's the one thing I've learned is that they truly like, look at a guy like, and I'm not comparing him to anybody like this, but I'm just, you know, it's about their love for the game. Look at, you know, guys like LeBron and Steph Curry, uh, yeah. Chris Paul, to see them play at the level they're playing at later in their career, you know how much you have to love it. And, it, you, and you love, when I say in love, 
you love every aspect of it. You, you know, you don't you don't practice just love the, the game. Yeah. You love the practice. You love the training. You love the diet. You 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 <laughs> fall in love with all of it, man. I'm telling you, that's the difference between you know you know being in love and and just loving. Like I, that's I, a big I, difference. I, I want to before we go to recent before we go to the NBA today and all what's going on. I, I have to ask you straight up, like where, when I was talking about Grand Hill earlier, he said to me one thing that the guys from the hood would give him grief that, you know, sort of like you, you didn't come from where I came from. So you don't know what tough is. And I guess, and he said that that's such a ridiculous uh, uh, idea because he said, if you are an NBA player, if you are, if, if shoot, if if you are a black man in America, you want your sons and your daughters to have a better education or a better life than you, depending on where you were, uh, how you grew up. And I, I wonder how, like you, you, you know, you, I'm thinking of you, Patrick, um, all that crew, De Derek Harper, all that, all, all that, that group of the Knicks. And, you know, you're living in Westchester, practicing up there, you're going to the city, you're living large, your kids are going to the best schools. How do you balance that? Okay, my child is growing up like I never got a chance to, and yet I still have to impart some kind of tough love on him to make sure that, yeah. you know, this isn't easy. How, that, that to me is, I'll never know what that's like. I mean, I, yeah. I, I didn't grow up rich and I sure didn't grow up, in poverty, but I, right, I never right. knew what what real what real um, adversity is. Well, I, I will tell you this because there that that is a really interesting dynamic in terms of what Grant is discussing, um, and you, there, it, but it's relative. It, like you just said, it, it it doesn't matter where you raise your kids. Your you know your uh, your goal is the same. Mm -hmm. And so you, it, it, it might be adjusted, right? Like, you're right. Cole went to private schools since he was three. Like, yeah, he had a full-time nanny and housekeeper. Like, you know, he grew up affluent. <laughs> you know, yeah. He just did. I mean, like, uh, I, there was no other way for him to grow up. You know, it's just there wasn't. So... It's relative from the standpoint that the one great thing about it was the game he played when he started off, he played on little leagues in the, on the Upper East Side. Like, mm -hmm. So, you know, what that, that demographic was, was all the kids he was out hanging out and playing with, right? Because he didn't matter. He couldn't play yep. anyway. Three, you know, four years, five years, six years old, whatever age that is. And then as you start to get a little better, you want to, you start to play against better competition and so well then you got to venture out a little bit and so that's kind of the approach we took um and because of that that's he was comfortable in that environment so he he didn't just burst on the scene you know yeah. what i mean like he grew up around all these kids like sure you know since the third fourth grade and then once you get to a certain level um in in basketball now you only play against the best kids like that's the advantage these kids have that we never experienced. And like people poo-poo it, like, oh, that's one of, you know, they saw all oh, these guys don't compete against each other. That's crazy. They they do. They've actually competed against each other longer. <laughs> right. <laughs> they've, been going to, they've been competing against each other. Like there are guys that Cole's playing against, he's been playing against since the sixth, seventh, eighth grade. Yeah, you go into the AU national championships with your team. And if that team's decent and you're 
you're right. You're facing a handful of guys that you have no idea at the time, but they're going to end up in the league. And, yeah. and you're, you're right. And it isn't like old school, like, like a Jerry Tarkanian or a Bobby Knight or something like that. They had to, they had to somehow, if someone wasn't coming to them, they had to find, uh, they had to find you. <laughs> yeah. Well, the evaluation process wasn't nearly as good because of that, because you didn't have a point of reference. Yeah. And as an example, when I, you know, when I was coming up, I was a, I was a pretty good player, but on the West coast, let's say I was, you know, in the, in the conversation, be the best point guard on the West coast or whatever it is, you wouldn't even know who you wouldn't have played against the best point guard on the East coast. No, you might not have, you might not even know what he looks like because the only way you got to see players back then was street Smith, whereas a little old photo of, you know, <laughs> passport photo of a guy that was really blurry and you couldn't really make out who he was. You could read the bio and it would just tell you his name, his height and where he went to school. And that was it. Yeah. And you might now I mean, you, you can Google guys. <laughs> now you can you Google guys a uh, video yeah. on YouTube. Yeah, but the and those guys all play against each other. Like that's why. Like that's what. And then some guys, you know, they 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 hit early. They 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 get out ahead of the pack per se, and then they fall back, and other guys surpass them. And that's kind of that journey that you see with these young kids. Because when you're in the seventh grade, you might not be the best kid in the country by the time you get to the ninth grade. Yeah, you know, you just like it. It changes that much, and so, yeah, it, it's interesting. These kids today—that's that's why you see them playing at the level they play at when they first get there. You know, and by that I mean, for you know, we look at a kid that can come out of one year of college and go and actually have an impact in an NBA game. Now it's commonplace, right? But like, you would have never thought that twenty, thirty years ago. No. It would have never crossed your your mind that that something like that was even plausible. I mean, you know, Magic was the first guy that I can recall, and there were others, obviously, but not very few. But he was the first guy that actually had an impact at that age. You know, yes. he and Isaiah. I mean, where he came in from day one, and he was one of those guys. You didn't. That didn't happen very often. No, not at that age. I, I guess a, a good segue. I mean, LeBron James. Right out of high school, turns 37 years old at the end of December. Yeah. Uh, he's always seemed indestructible to me, you know, but yeah. now this 19 years, he's been battling various ailments. And, you know, as of uh, this, uh, this past Monday, he's missed half of the Lakers 24 games. Should yeah. we be concerned that all the wear and tear of almost 1600 games over the guy's career with playoffs and regular seasons finally catching up to him? Yes. <laughs> yes i think you and it's well you just said it since he's been in la but for the championship year he's dealt with significant injury and absence yep he just has you know and so it's funny it's sometimes you just your eyes you don't want to believe what your eyes are telling and then if no. you want you if you want a statistical uh anom well, not anomaly but uh i guess you want some stats to kind of back it up Look at his field goal attempts and the percentage of threes he takes now. I think he's up to nine. Wow. So he's taken, he might be taking as many three-pointers as he is. Now think about LeBron James, a guy never noted as a great shooter, right? Not That's not what his strength would be. And now he's, he's taking more attempts from the three-point than he is from the two-point. 
it's crazy. Someone once told me that, you know, people don't want to think about it, especially elite players, but your joints, your cartilage, they have expiration dates. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and I look at him and I think, I, I think they only have like a, a, maybe a year, two year window to win a championship uh, again, uh, you know, a LeBron led championship. Yeah. And uh, which, you know, I, I get it. I mean, Michael won his last one at what, 36. Um, so yeah. it would be, it would be a feat of incredible, uh, you know, especially with all the, uh, the way the Warriors are playing and all the other teams that are coming up, but you see him winning another one or no? Man, it, I, I thought coming into this year, um, it was possible. And I thought that um, I, and just based on history, I knew Westbrook would struggle the first 20 games. Cause if you just go look at what he did in Washington and what he did in OKC, I'm sorry, in uh, Houston, the first 20 games, just go look at his numbers that he was atrocious, just like he was here. But then he started to figure it out, you know? And so I was like, so I wasn't worried about that. Yeah. Uh, but the two bigger issues are Anthony Davis seems to be flatlining meaning like he doesn't seem to be still improving sometimes he doesn't even look he he looks disinterested sometimes yeah now and i'm saying that now this he has of late started to get back to what he was but if if you go off of last year think about he had lowest field goal uh lowest points per game since i think his second year in the league um, yes. The rebounds, lowest of his career. You know, he was still, you know, not as aggressive. Wasn't, I think he had the lowest field goal attempt since his third year. So, like, when you see stuff now, he got hurt that year. And that, that maybe that explains some of it because he was hurt that year and he missed a ton of time, but he was not good that year. He started off horribly as well early this season. So now he's starting to get it going. Um, but then LeBron's health, like, you know, he's got to be out there. He doesn't have to be the LeBron of old. He can be an old LeBron, but he can't be an absent LeBron because mm-hmm. now this That's team a- doesn't have a chance. They they can't get better. They You know, like people, an average fan doesn't understand that, you know, the, the, a, a, a season is like a race. And some teams start the race with a head start. Mm. Right. Golden State and Phoenix have a head start. Phoenix, as we saw, because they were a finals team a year ago, and a lot of their best players were really young. And they're going to get better because of the opportunity. Right. Golden State was the one that's probably a little surprising. Yep. Um, But when you get beyond those two teams, and if you really just from a basketball standpoint, you look at the records of a lot of these other teams, nobody else is like, playing great basketball no you know there's nobody so relative to that that also helps the lakers case but ultimately if lebron isn't out there because they can't define who they're going to be they can't develop an identity they can't establish a rotation like all that that means that they're still they're falling further behind in the race they're not they're not closing ground well, and I think you you hit that's it on the, be a challenge. you hit it on you hit the nail on the head when you said Le, Le, LeBron doesn't have to be there all the time, but he has to be on the floor at some point. Yeah. You look at that team; all their key guys are over thirty. 
Westbrook's now 33. Um, you know, the role player, Mello, the role player is 37. Dwight Howard's 35. And you can't, it, in the old days, like the late, like Shaq and Kobe, as they became veterans during that second and third championships, they almost knew that their bodies had to be right and ready for um, shoot April, May, and June. They, and, and, and sometimes they took day, well, Kobe didn't, but, but you could see that team taking days off during their second and third championship runs and just getting them and get, making sure guys got healthy. Lakers don't have that, uh, that kind of wealth of talent. They don't have that reservoir. Uh, no you know, to, to do that. And so I think that yeah, you're right. I think this is it for him this, this year yeah. and maybe next. I say I, I'm with you on the two year window. I think too, yeah. we, we also have to remember, this is where we sometimes get trapped in, you know, where we were when we, when we thought the game was, or we thought the best player played the game or all these other things. This is, you can't, this is why it's hard to compare here, man. When I played 32, 33, you were you weren't getting better or you weren't going to be able to sustain your peak for as long a period of time you yeah. just you weren't so like you when you say a guy's 32 today 32 today is like 28 29 <laughs> 20 years ago it right. ain't 32 ain't like you're not old steph curry's 33 yes you got to have perspective here like so you can't say when a guy's that's my point about West, westbrook's 32 yeah, but man, Westbrook ain't slowing down. I mean, relative no. to how he still can play at a high level now, he's got to think the game better. But physically, he ain't really – he's fine. LeBron didn't slow down at 33. We're talking about LeBron and injured LeBron at, at 36. You know, like, so the, the peak is a lot longer today. These guys – Chris Paul, like, these guys can play at a much higher level for a longer time. Some of that is the way the game is played. Because now there's more skill. And again, this is the thing, like, people would complain about the game when I played and say, oh, that was a better era. We were, it was way too physical. It was more like football. You weren't, we, you could play in our era and not be a skill. Right, right. You I look can't at, do I mean, that today. No, I look at some of the, your teammates even, like, well, Anthony Come Mason on, developed, developed skill, but but there was some guys, I mean, I, I look, you know, uh, I mean, shoot, uh, I'm trying to think, um, not, not Oakley. He had a little bit of school, but even though you measured his vertical, uh, with a, with a Metro card, I mean, he was like, I look at some of the guys, like you had guys were hand checking by putting a forearm yeah. in a guy's neck. That was, yeah. that was part of the game. And it wasn't even thought of as dirty. It was just sort of, we're taking the court away yeah. from this player. And uh, so I look at it now and I kind of like it. I mean, I like the passing. Oh. I don't love that the whole game has become three and D. I love, I like, I, I, I still love it when people work the ball around and you still got, you know, that dude inside that just has a nice baby hook or something or a Ewing presence. But I still, it's amazing to me, like the ball moves a lot more than it used to. Yeah, the, the, the skills higher, the court's bigger. That's the yes. biggest thing that, you know, that sometimes you got to remember the court's a lot bigger than it used to be because of where guys could. And that's my point about skill. So, you know, you, you, you take a game that was played in a, you know, a 20 by 15 box and now it's played in a 40 by 24 box, <laughs> you know, like now when you're guarding a guy, at 30, see, we didn't guard you at 35 feet. No, so when we started the guard, we had help right there at 35 feet 38 feet you don't have help 
you know, and, you know, you talk about that three-point shot, like that's part of that is the threat of it, but you you still have a lot of mid-range activity. You don't have the back-to-the-basket basketball, but what's been proven is that it's just not as efficient. You know, the skill level of these guards now, like, you know, you look at Steph Curry. Who who <sighs> would you rather have shoot the ball? Would you rather give it to Steph or would you rather give it to Shaq at six feet? Right. No, you make my argument perfectly. I just, I, I always talk about like the Warriors are coming down and breaking the finals and KD, you know, anything in, in anybody that ever played the game's mind is you hit the open man. And if he's close to the basket, you certainly hit him. KD yeah. puts his finger up, like shoot it. Like I, I, yeah, I could get a layup or a dunk here, but as Steph Curry's going down the right left wing and, mm. and, and, KD's on the right and it's in the finals. And he goes, like, put the ball mm -hmm. up. And I was like, yeah. wow, this game has changed. He he understands that Steph Curry is going to make that shot and they're going to get another yeah. point out of it. It's crazy. But that's where yeah. the game is. You're right. It's yeah. Uh, I mean, when you started in the NBA 30 years ago, guys like Drazen Petrovic, Vlade, they were just beginning to make their mark. Yeah. I look at all this influx to players from countries now. And in some way, they affected the style of the play in the NBA, too. Yeah, everybody's played a role in it because what we you got to remember what the goal is. You're trying to perfect. You're trying to create the best game you can create. You know, and yeah. if you're doing your job, you're looking at how the game is played all over the world. And it's okay if they have better rules or a couple rules that make more sense in our game. And so I think that's what's happened. I think you're 100% right. I think there's still other areas that we can uh, you know, looked. I love the goaltend game or non-goaltend game of the, the European game. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, I, I think of the international game, I should say. Um, I think that's something else that we, we should look at. But yeah, our game is, it's a beautiful game. And it's also, it's funny how the roles in some respects reverse, but like it used to be uh, you played the game from the inside out. Yes. You just did. And, and in some regards, and I try to explain this to people, you kind of still do. Because if you think about a half-court offense, even if you go look at threes, the best threes outside, and, I'm, and you know, I'm not going to talk about the Curry. I'm talking about normal shooting, not what Curry and Durant yeah. and some of the special, special players can do. But the majority of those threes are created when the ball gets to the paint. Yeah, the kick and so dish. You, you, yeah, you still, in essence, are playing with the impact of the paint. It's just that, you know, before when it got in the paint, that's where the majority of the shots are going to be created. Now they're created, you know, outside of the paint, outside that three-point line. And so, yeah, it's a it's a fun game to watch, man. I, I really love it. And, and it's also more like chess now. Like if you watch how you have to defend teams, oh. you know, and because your wings and bigs have to be able to play in space. Um, and it's a it's a an incredible game. And that I wish we get into more because that's the thing that sometimes gets lost is when you look at the high level teams, that's what those guys are doing, man. Phoenix and golden state, they're playing chess. Yes. You know, because they both respect, they know like both teams are capable, man. So it, it's fun. Well, when you talk about skill level, like I, there's few players that are, maybe none that I can remember even back in the day that had so much ball handling ability and shooting and everything the, this is the part of the fan in me that is 
that is basically pissed off that Kyrie's not playing. Like, come on, man, you're you uh, you are just fun to watch. Where yeah. where are you on this take? I mean, if you were one of his teammates, would you be pissed at him for the way he's handled his responsibilities to his uh, team with this thing, or would you, or would you just say, uh, "Man's got to be a man. He's got to stand up for his beliefs. We'll we'll take care of the rest." Where 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 are you on that? Well, I you know I don't I, I think you the thing about being on a team is that you're going to always support your teammates um, unless they've done something that you feel like is egregious and and. When I look at this situation, first of all, and I'll, I'll fully disclose, I'm I'm vaccinated. Like I'm completely vaccinated. Got a couple shots. Uh, will probably get a booster, right? So I, I get that part. But my thing is, I also truly I do see the other side. I think that's what's wrong sometimes. We don't allow ourselves to see it from someone else's perspective. So I can just see why some people wouldn't want to get the vaccine. I can yeah. understand that. I, I, I'm not, I don't think they're evil. I don't think they're villains. I, I just think they're making a, a free choice and I'm not going to condemn them for it. And so I get that. So I look at it from the standpoint, if you're telling the Brooklyn Nets, if you're telling Kevin Durant and James Harden, I'm, I want to win a championship, our goal is to win a championship. And then you decide, well, you know what, we're not going to even let you play in the half games that you can play. We don't want you around. I mean, that to you think, me you think that's on the franchise? Shocking. Absolutely on the franchise. Absolutely on the franchise. What, well, again, I ask you, what you tell me, Mike, if what do you think the goal of Brooklyn Nets was coming into the season? Well, I obviously winning it all. No, no, it's the, okay. That, 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 that winning it all, winning it all is, is I mean, when you it's got that goal. roster. When you go make that trade for James Harden, what are you saying to the, everybody? We're trying to win it now, right? Yes. Yeah, and we have a window. Your, your answer to win it now is to say, well, we're not, whether it's your right, we're, we're not going to respect your right. We're just going to send you away. You can put out whatever statement you want. Yeah. But we're going to send you away and not allow you to be a part of this team. Yeah, those two I, don't seem to coexist. They don't seem to work together for me. But you you would actually have him playing half the time. I look at it like this: if if you believe in if you believe in what the CDC and everybody else is saying, do you do you want that one? Unless he's been sequestered himself, you want that one dude to uh, to to turn your roster into a COVID well, city wait, 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 if he's wait, really wait. not vaccinated. Oh, you mean like what's going on in Charlotte? Exactly. I'm oh, just saying, like, so I'm just saying, if Kyrie, if Kyrie gets infected and he infects, yeah, but they're already, more, yeah, but they're already vaccinated, though. Oh, I'm the, saying, the but but, if there, but there's guys who've contracted it that have been vaccinated. No, I mean, exactly. Pe- That's my point. My point, yeah. Mike, is whether you have the vaccine or not, you can contract it and you can ex- give it to people. Yeah. From what I'm understanding, am I wrong in that? No, you're you're right, but you're more so, but you're ten, but you're ten, but you're nine times more likely, according to the CDC and all these medical experts, to give it to somebody. I mean, to uh, to give it to somebody if you're not so, vaccinated. So, so uh, again, I'm not here to say one way is right or wrong. I'm right. just saying that that wouldn't be the approach I would take. Right. No, no. Right now, you you're know. doing the Joe Rogan, Aaron Rodgers thing. Is what you're doing? No, I'm kidding. Go ahead. Yeah, no, I'm just doing, like I said, I'm vaccinated, but yeah, so am I. I can just see it from, from their perspective. And I just know that 
this is not giving them their best chance of winning a championship this year. Yeah, I I, I get that. I, I okay, yeah. I could see putting some of it on the organization. I just so some, that, that's my, my, my thing with Kyrie is like if it's if you, if you were medically um, prevented, like your doctor said, no, I could understand it. But if if it's just a personal belief, I mean, it's <laughs> so you so you for you your personal belief should not count you should be no i think your personal belief if it's it's something um if the conviction for your personal belief is i'm not standing for the anthem fine Uh, or or i'm muslim and i you know i think that this is not my anthem this fine you know like i always thought um i always thought mahmoud abdul Rauf got wronged and i thought and i think and, and i'm i'm all okay with all that what i don't get is um like like, is this your hill to die on? Like, 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 this is a man who's like, I think he's Hall of Fame bound. And I think he not only has the, the skill, he has the heart, the passion. I just bought, you know, and you know what, Greg, this is, it's selfish part of me. I, I'm a fan. I'm a fan. <laughs> I want to see I'm him play because I, because I, because I like, I'm a selfish fan. I want to see Kyrie play because I know how good he is. I'm with you though, Mike. I, I, yeah. I hate that we're here. Yeah. I want to see him out there. I, I I think he's as gifted a basketball player offensively, probably as we've ever seen. Right? Yeah. Because because it's 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 more impressive when you're his size and Steph Curry's size to be that oh. that good than it is like because Durant has a distinct advantage at six eleven. You know yeah. now he's got this and he's got that skill set, so he's as quick and as good to handle those guys. But he's nobody his size can guard him. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like, but there are guys that are going to be Steph size and Kyrie size that can actually physically match up with them, and he still got to deal with those big guys. And what he does, man, he's virtuoso on the floor with his ball and with the ball in his hands, his footwork and his ball handling, his ability to finish and to shoot. And that's the thing. Like when you just break down every aspect of his skill set, um, I've never seen a more complete offensive guard. And by that, I, that I'm not saying he's the best. What I'm saying is his skill set across oh. the board is the best yeah. that game has ever seen. It's and incredible. I, I just don't want it to be, because I, I know I'm going to, somebody's going to say, oh, he just said Kyrie's the best point, the best guard ever. I, no, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying his skill set. Yeah. His ability, it, because of how good he is at all areas, off the dribble, uh, footwork, strength, finishing. I mean, he is, he's, he's incredible. Man. Well, I, I just look back and like, you know, to me, especially when you're young, you know, and you were, you are, you were a Southpaw, but you know, you got to use your right hand and like, you know, yeah. but the bottom line is when you use it, when you, you, when you, your offhand becomes just as good as your, as your right, you know, as the hand you use all the time, that to me is the, you know, like I remember Armand, Armand Gillian, Remember your mm-hmm. RIP? Oh yeah, rest in Oh man, no, I know he like for whatever reason, man, he he shot the ball left-handed as well as any right-handed player yeah. I'd seen. And so I look at that, and I look at um, Steph, Kyrie. The I mean, I can't believe that they're you know that you could sort of throw up a left-handed floater, be right-handed, and that ball could yeah. you know go off the glass from eight feet in with with six eleven mounds of muscle hanging yeah. on you and so yeah. I'm, I'm always blown away by that um i you know because obviously it's it is a personal belief conviction for him 
Where yeah. are you on, you know, where I kind of know, you know, as someone who's always been polit politically active, how do you feel the league has done with regard to encouraging players to have a voice on societal issues? I love it. Yeah. Like, that's kind of my, my point. Like, you can't, like, yeah, who are we to? That. So who are we to? Who are we to that's like say you? Point. That's a very like, good point. Like just because we don't like I'm where, we, just because we don't like where Kyrie's coming from, it we should still be able to support him Amen. in a way that we would if we liked if we liked his, uh, his if we sense. liked where he was coming. Yeah, from. that's yeah. Amen. Like my whole yeah. thing is the the problem I have with society to a certain extent, and it's my point I made. That's why I. I you know, I said I've been vaccinated, so you can't say I'm an anti-vaxxer when I take this stance. Sure. Because the problem is when people disagree, they can't just disagree. Now you got to be wrong and evil. Yeah, you know, no, like, you're that's right. That's the problem. Like we can't just disagree. Like, yeah. you know, you could be pro-life or pro-choice, and it doesn't can, have to be, a, you don't have see, to demonize the other side. Yeah, you, you, it doesn't make you evil because you're on one side or the other. And that's the problem I have. And that's what, the, in essence, this is being villain. Now, I will say this. We don't know the inner workings in Brooklyn. We don't know if there are issues. I mean, we do know that there have been some issues with Kyrie there, right? But we don't know if it's to a point where the coaching staff, which I still can't, there's no way in hell that Steve Nash isn't involved in those conversations before those decisions are made. Oh, definitely. You know, like, so, so that plays a role in it. So that's telling you that this is from the coaching staff on up, everybody's on board with this. Yeah. And, and you know what you, maybe I would also say, I'd find it highly uh, surprising that Durant and Harden were at least aware. I'm not saying they had a say, but they probably had some understanding as to the dynamic and what the potential scenarios could be. Yeah, no, you're 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 exactly right, and you wonder how much people's own personal political beliefs drive some of these decisions you're right i think you i think you have opened my mind up to one thing it is one thing to say look uh you can't play not only because of laws in new york but because of where we are uh, it's another thing to say you're persona non grata and you're not part of this team yeah and yeah. uh and I, I think you're right there's a there's a line there that you know you but you're basically what where, where Kyrie is Everybody's saying he's got to be traded. Well, you're also making that decision too. If you're not, if you're not including him in anything, and you're not, you know, waiting for him either to figure this out or, um, or, or at least be part of your team in some other way on the floor. That's fair. I, I, I'd be before we get end this with Cole and 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 you and mindsets and how it has to be on. I, I have. I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you. You, you I mean you're a guy who's been you've been politically active with the Republican party since your days at UNLV. And uh, I think, I, what, correct me if I'm wrong, you got a degree in political science and you were like the vice chairman of Nevada's young Republicans um, yeah. in college. Absolutely. Yes, that's true. That so, is true. So where do you, where are you in the, I mean, if I'm, if I'm allowed to ask, where are you on, in the Republican party? Cause I know you endorsed Mitt Romney, 
Where do you yeah. think they are right now? I mean, it's uh, it's frightening to me, not just the Republican Party, but anybody that the militancy, like you said, in this country is just flat, flat out scaring me. I mean, you, you're yeah. right. You you it's almost like you got to be true to your school, no matter what the person does that's in Amen. your party. And I'm like, that's that's Amen. wrong. That's wrong. That's well, morally wrong. And so I, so I, I think I'm it's both where ways. Okay. I think, well, I do think what you said is true. I think the biggest issue in America is the polarization of politics. Um, and and the, our media plays a significant role in that. In, in regards, I mean, just, you know, j- just if you look at the raw numbers, think about when you were a kid growing up. You saw the news was on at six o'clock um, and then 11 o'clock. Then there'd be morning news shows on, but you know, you didn't, you weren't consumed by news, right? No. And the now, guys who now, are actually, and the guys who were delivering the news were actually like, they were, yeah, they weren't they, they, there was, they didn't come there was no Nobody advocacy ever. journalism. You just no, read the news. You didn't have that. You didn't have that. And so then you juxtapose that with where we are today, where you have multiple 24 hour news cycles on television, the internet, um, uh, social media, you have all these elements out there that now have allowed us to define the left and the right by the extremes of the party Hmm. because they're equally dangerous um when you look at where america is because 80 percent of america is uh, i would say there is actually a consensus there on if you just talk about what people believe in how they feel if you looked at all these issues that we have in our country 80% 80% of us would be on point with the vast majority of it, right? Mm-hmm. It's just that we let the 10% on the left and the right now define both sides. And because of that, that's where the vitriol and the hate comes from. It's just, that's just the reality. And so like, that's, that's, for me, I'm not political. I mean, I have my philosophy and my beliefs. Um, but my stuff was never personal. And I think that's where we are in our society. We've allowed the politics to become polarized and personal. You know, you used to be able to agree to disagree, but now you can't even have a conversation politically because it's like you're either evil or good. Right. Well, and, and yeah, so if you if you're just, not if you're not black, if you're black and you don't vote for Obama, you're saying, oh, you're, you're an Uncle Tom. What's wrong with you? And no, actually, maybe you have different political beliefs. And, yeah. You know, it's like it doesn't, it doesn't have maybe it doesn't have anything to do with, you know, like it, I, I get that. I guess. So do you yeah. consider yourself a Republican now still? Yeah, I do. OK, I, I absolutely. I absolutely do. But that I'm not and nor have I ever been. I'm not like an extremist. Like I, I'm a, yeah. I'm actually socially um I'm just fiscally conservative. That's always right. been my my take. Like, like you mentioned earlier, like my degrees in political science. Like I study this stuff. This has my, I don't vote for people. Okay, yeah. I vote for like policy and 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 what I believe fundamentally in terms of where the what the country's about. Like that's where I vote on that stuff. Like yeah. some and, and that's the other thing. Like when I say it's become more personal because now you you have so much focus on things that really. Um, I don't really have an opinion on nor care. I'm a rule of law kind of guy. So mm. even if I disagree with some, if that's the rule of the law, well, that's the rule of the law. Like, you know, I'm saying the, the law of the land, I should say. If, if you know, if I 
dislike a rule or a law, and that's the law of the land, then I say, you know what, I respect the law of the land. And I just move on. I mean, that's kind of how I approach it. So I'm not militant. I'm not into all of that stuff. I just, I have my principles and my beliefs and my philosophies. Uh, and I have a social conscience. And I also have a, a fiscal reality of how I think things should go. And you know what? Sometimes it's with the majority of the country. Sometimes it's not. <laughs> That's the way yeah. I look at it. <laughs> All right. Well, we're talking with Greg Anthony, um, the candidate for the 2024 U.S. presidential Republican nomination. Well, yeah, no. <laughs> right, right. No, that ain't going to ever happen, brother. All right. I'm going to end this with, because uh, I, you know, I love the father-son story. When you're talking yeah. shop with Cole, um, does part of that become not just Hey man, this guy, this this guy's gonna try and lock you down. It, there's there's another level of, um, look, you're gonna hit a wall here, or or look, mental toughness is is part of being physically tough in this league. Where where that that whole mindset of what makes a successful NBA player, uh, a possible future Hall of Famer, a journeyman, a player that could you know a role player on a championship team. Yeah. Um, what, what makes that and, and, and where does that come in when you guys talk shop? Well, it, it, you know, with, with Cole, he's always aspired to be great. Like Cole, you know, when I was coming up, my goal was to make it to the league so I could make it. You know, I, I grew up impoverished. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, my mom was, had four kids by three different dads. I never saw a picture of my dad, never met him you know, like that was my way out. And then the opportunity to play in NBA, that was like, for me, that was, that was it. I, okay. I, I didn't, like I said to you guys earlier, like I love the game, mm. but it was more about, I love the game because I, you know, you love it, but also I loved it because of what it provided me, the opportunity. I mean, to this day, you know, the game of basketball is, is showing me love and, and a huge mm. part of my life. Uh, whereas with Cole, Cole always wanted to be a great, he wants to be an all time great. Like he has a different mindset and that yeah. we've talked to touched on mindset. And so like, I've been fortunate enough to be around a lot of great players. And the thing that sometimes always gets lost, you know, people will focus on, you know, your physical being and like what you look like and the things you can do physically. And Sometimes they lose sight of what really makes the great ones great is their mindset, you know, and how they approach it and how they can function in moments, you know. Mm. And so he's uh, he's always had that about him. And it really showed to me how it was when he finally went through like major adversity, you know, like his whole narrative coming out, and I actually put this on Twitter a lot, his whole narrative coming out was, mm. uh, out of college was, you know, he's a poor decision maker, uh, bad shot selection, you know, he's a scorer that can't score, but, you know, like a lot of negative stuff, and, and, and I've said this as well, you know what, a lot of that was warranted because of how he played that year, because that's exactly what he was that year. Um, and so people, that narrative carried over with him you know, going through the injuries uh, with the torn meniscus, like there was a time where he didn't even want to, he was allowing it to kind of affect him. Mm. And he didn't even want to come back initially because he was acting on emotion. 
you know, when he first had it. I mean, he cried like a baby when he, you know, was getting ready to have a surgery and before. I mean, he cried like a baby many times, right, uh, mm-hmm. during that whole process, you know, and he just couldn't figure out. Like, he's like, I've been that guy all these years, and, like, it's like nobody remembers that now. And I was like, part of that is, like, not everybody puts any emphasis on things and they don't understand that. And I said, you know what? You're going to still get an opportunity. You just got to continue to believe in yourself. He's like, I, that's never been an issue. I, I, I know what I am and who I can be. And so, you know, he just worked. And, you know, last year or his rookie year, you know, he didn't, he didn't get a summer league, you know, like oh, wow. when you're, when you're a, a one and done kid coming off an injury, you know, that's the one time where they're going to give you the ball in a situation. Now he's going to kind of be on a level playing field because, you know, and he had a great experience overall at Carolina and playing for coach Williams and those kids, I got to tell you, I've never been around a better group of kids, um, but we just weren't very good. And, and he wasn't very good. And a lot of that was on him, but he had never been on a bad team before. And so he didn't handle it well. And I told him, look, you're going to pay a price. But ultimately, you know, he didn't get that stuff. Then he gets thrown in when Markel goes down. And again, he wasn't ready, nowhere near being ready. Um, but what ha- he actually was very fortunate. What happened was he cracked a rib. And he ended up being out an extended period of time. And he got to watch the NBA game play up close and personal. Ah. And he got that he got to slow the game down. And he got to start to see himself and visualize and understand where he needed to get better, all those things. And then he got to have some success over the latter part of that season. You know, and so now, you know, he finished his last game. I think he had 37 against Philly and lost, but you know, and it wasn't that he shot it great, but you know, he got to the free throw line 14 times. So like he's now starting to figure some stuff out. And then the way the draft fell, they end up drafting Jalen Suggs. And like, that's a, you know, that's a tough one, not to, for him from the standpoint, no matter what, and, and Jalen's going to be a good basketball player. Uh, and I think those guys will be able to play well together. Um, but it also meant he was going to have to share mm. and not necessarily be given the ball or given the keys. And, and that was, he understood that. And he had a comment. He said, you know, this past offseason, my goal was to be the best version of me coming into the season and he worked at it. And now, you know, he's starting to show what he can do. And, you know, he's always been motivated, but like, I go back to his mindset, man, that, you know, some guys, they want to be great. Like in the NBA, really in any sport, any pro sport, not everybody wants to be great. Everybody wants to be good. But when you, to be great, to be one of those guys, man, you got to have a completely different mindset. Um, you got to have a short memory uh, and you got to have an alpha male mentality about you. And so he's got those things. And so I'm just excited for him to, to watch his journey. And we, we talk and we talk basketball at nauseam. Like Damn. he just, you know, we just talk cause he's always trying to improve. And now he's also now learning, learning how to improve because that's another element of it that that he's figuring out so it's fun man i'm just yeah. i'm pumped i'm excited for him he's got a great situation they got a lot of good young talent um and he's going to continue to play at a, a, a you know and i don't say this just as a, a dad but i do because i i do know his inner workings 
Cole's going to have a chance to be a special player in this league. I, I, I agree with all of that. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if he's on the, um, on our next Olympic team. Um, I, I Oof, think he, man, that's saying a lot. I, I could, I didn't even, I couldn't even imagine something like that, but I, that's, well, well he already, I think you. he already, but didn't he play on the FIBA America's under champion? He so played I, on the 18 U team. He did. Yeah. He did. So I, I, th- mean, I don't know. I, don't I think he that. should be, I think he should be in that pipeline in the next two years. Well, you know what? If the team continues to develop and progress, and he does, yeah. you know, you got to remember the kids, you know, he's only played, what's this, 17, 18 games? He still hasn't yeah. played 82 games yet. Yeah. You know, he's still, but what he's showing, like, is he's he's wired for it. He loves it. You know, he's also yeah. about winning. Like, he's he plays to win. Like, he's not just trying to get, he's trying to win. And I think a team like Orlando, like they're struggling right now, obviously, but you know, coming into the season, you got to think about it. Most people would have said the two best players on the roster were the two guys who haven't played a game this year. Right. So, so if you, if you just have that perspective and you say, well, let me take the two best players off of all of these teams in the league, where would they be? You know, that, you, you take you take Draymond because coming into the year, Clay wasn't there. But you take Draymond and Steph off Golden State. You take nobody. LeBron and AD. You, you, you take Harden and Durant. You take Giannis and, and Chris Milton. Chris Milton. You take those guys off because everything's relative. But when you, you coming into the season, they those are the two best players on the roster. And they yeah. haven't played a game. And so that takes a big toll on a young team where you got a bunch of guys that have never won in the NBA. They're the, the youngest starting lineup uh, in the history of the NBA to start the season. Is that so, right? Yeah, I didn't even know. Yeah, it, it's, but but they'll, they're going to be good. They got a good young coach. They're learning. They're starting. They've been in their last four games. Like they, uh, they're starting to have a chance to win and, and starting to understand what you have to do in order to have a chance to win. And that's a big process, man. Um, to, to have to figure out and they're learning. And, mm-hmm. and I think they're going to start to, I think as this season gets closer to the midway point in the second half and they start to get a little healthier, they're going to be a, a good basketball team from that point on, because these guys are getting valuable experience and, and understanding and learning an identity. And there's a lot of good. And, and I say that because trust me, I've never watched this much of a team with a bad record in my life. <laughs> Um, well, you know, literally, where because you literally, as a fan, you literally watch every game. Oh, yeah. So, so I've watched a lot of that, you know, those losses. And, but I'm watching them now with an analytical eye and trying to see how pieces fit and, you know, what ceilings are and what the growth pattern's going to be. And, you know, the things that the versatility level of guys and how they fit. And so, you know, it, it is fun to do that. And then obviously that being my son, yeah. I mean, we talk a lot about that stuff, man. So it's, it's, it's awesome, man. It yeah. is. I, I could not have a greater blessing in terms of what that creates for he and I, you know, him being my firstborn. Yeah. I mean, it's my firstborn played in a fifth grade scrimmage. And I think I thought about it all day before I went, 
I just think it's cool. You think about it all day, and it's a freaking Orlando Magic game. Yeah, that, that yeah. your son's playing it. I mean, just uh, you know, it, on so many levels. And the best part about all this, uh, you talking about him is uh, his adversity. You know, like you said, he cried like a baby before surgery. Yeah. I mean, he had no idea. You know, I don't know what age you might have told him that you never met your father, but like, yeah. like that—that's adversity. And the fact that you, it, just what I'm saying, like you're right. There's there's basketball adversity. There's life adversity. You yeah. were in his. You you know you didn't have a father in your life, and yet you, irrespective of um, whether you and his mother um, were getting divorced and you married your sailor, it didn't matter. You were always in his life. Oh, and yeah. uh, and I think that to me, I mean, I you know I salute you because that's. That to me, when you, when all is said and done, you find out that don't matter whether he was going to be become a dentist like your wife now or yeah. or an NBA player, that's what it's all about. And so anyway, man, I, I, I'd have to I'd have to give that up to you. Did you ever did he does he know about you, your past and everything? Did you talk to him about that? In terms of in terms of your own father, you know, you never oh, met him. Oh, yeah, 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 absolutely. Absolutely. He knows. Absolutely. Did he pass away? He did your own father pass away? No idea. Never had any connection or communication to him. Wow. So, yeah, I had my grandfather who was instrumental in my life. He passed away uh, my freshman year in college. Okay. And so I I had that. And my grandma was really instrumental in, in my life as well. I, you know, yeah. it's not to say that I didn't have family, of course, but, you know, it does. It's different not having a father, you know, but you don't even understand that. Like, I didn't understand it. It was just until your life. I had a, yeah, like I, until I had him, I really didn't understand the impact of not having a father, mm, you know? That's... And so, so yeah, that, that, but that was also, it made me say, no matter what, I was going to be in my, my kid's life and yeah. just be there and be present, you know, and be there for them. So I've been blessed in that regard. And mm. like you said, the reward for me now is I get to watch uh, all my kids basically pursue right. their dreams. Uh, well, let's end it on that because that's great, and uh, yeah. you know, I, I, I root for you more as a person than I do an analyst. But they all go hand in hand, so so it was good catching up with you. Oh man, I appreciate it, brother. You guys be safe, Bruce. Take care. All right, let's go. Time to stick the landing. It's time to wrap things up. I'd like to bring in my producer Bruce Bernstein to help land the plane. Any quick thoughts on your old pal, Greg Anthony, Bruce? Mike, when I worked with Greg, one of the things that I always was so impressed with him was that not only was he really smart about the game of basketball, he was one of the smartest individuals on any number of topics. And I loved the comments that he made during the interview about how one of the biggest problems in our society uh, is the polarization, how we've lost the ability to disagree without uh considering the other person evil. It's that kind of leadership and that kind of mindset that we need to help bring our society back to a better place. And it would be wonderful if Greg ever ran for office. I think he would be amazing. That's a, that's a great thought from you, Bruce. That's still enough out of you. Now, please hit us with the promos. Yes, Mike. Thank you so much. And thanks to our editor, the great Drew Rich. Please check out all of our Pure Hoops media shows. Catch and Shoot 2.0 with Otto Strong and Aaron Berlin drops on Wednesday. Bucket Sports and Blocks with Monica McNutt and King McClure is here on Thursday. BJ Armstrong and Eric Newman will hopefully return soon with the Pure Hoops podcast each Friday. And of course, 
The Mike Wise Show is a Monday staple here at Pure Hoops Media. And don't miss some of the choice bite-sized discussions from all of our shows in our Pure Hoops Media Quick Hitters. Plus, we have nearly 200 great video segments on our YouTube channel. Go to YouTube and search for Pure Hoops Media. Mike. I don't care if it's Kyrie's fault. I don't care if the Nets are at fault for distancing him from everything. Still, Greg's vaccinated. I'm vaccinated. Bruce vaccinated. To me, it's just, uh, you know, you can have a personal belief, but if it's not a medical condition, I still believe that you owe it to yourself and society to do so. Adios, aloha, and uh, hasta luego, mi muchachos. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.